I can, I can stand here before you all today and tell you that I have few regrets in life. Now, I don't know how many of you can say that, but I think I can. But I do have some regrets, and, and some of the regrets that I have are pretty major regrets. And one of the regrets I have um, is this. I regret that I have spent far too much time and energy throughout my life in the pursuit, listen to this, I have, pers- I have spent far too much time and energy throughout my life in the pursuit of mediocrity. And here's what's even more ironic. I have been encouraged in that pursuit by society and by m- most of the people that love me. Now, some of you are sitting back there and you're saying, you're nuts, dude. Where in society is it, does anybody encourage mediocrity? Where, what parent, uh, teacher, coach has ever said, you go out and be the best mediocre you as you can be? Nobody does that, right? Well, don't be so sure. You see, it is my contention that it happens all the time. Whether it's conscious or not, I believe that we are encouraged to be mediocre all the time. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Have you ever been sitting in a review, uh, a performance review, maybe it's at school, maybe it's at work or whatever, and somebody say, well, what are your growing edges? What are your weaknesses? What are the areas that you need to be working on, spending more time developing? If you've ever sent through a performance review, I can almost guarantee that those questions have been asked. Now, at some level, those questions are good questions until and if they lead us to this. Do they lead us in the belief that we have to be good at everything? Do they lead us to believe that I have to take my time and energy away from that which I am uh, strongest at and invest in that which I am weakest in? Because guess what? What I just described to you is a recipe for what? Mediocrity. And then what happens? When we take time and energy away from that which we were created to do or that which we have a strength in, to invest in that which we have a weakness in, we discover that we're often not very good at it and and then we start feeling guilty and we start feeling like, oh man, why is Hannah so much better than I am? And you know, you see where I'm going with this? That, That belief... That somehow we, we need to be good at everything can make you miserable. Well, this morning as we continue our sermon series in uh, myths, busting these myths that make us miserable, I'm going to give you a little clue on what God thinks about all this. And it's not what the world thinks. That surprise you? In fact, as I, as I kind of bust this myth that um, it's better to be mediocre than great, Um, I'm going to set you free, or I believe the Holy Spirit is going to set you free from some guilt that you've probably been carrying around with yourself your whole life. So, if you got your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, I want you to open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, And as you're doing that, uh, before we jump into the Scripture, I want to kind of give a disclaimer, okay? Because... This is very important. You could misunderstand what I'm saying very easily if, if I don't give you this disclaimer. Um, basically, what we're going to be talking about today is that God is giving us permission 
to live into our strengths and not to worry so much about our weaknesses. Now, some people may hear that and they may, they may use their weakness or what I'm, what I'm saying is God's will for you to live into your strengths rather than your weakness. You, got, you may use that as an excuse to be irresponsible or lazy. And that is not at all what I am suggesting to you today and that's not at all what the scripture says. For example, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Some people who... Um, Let's say they're not organized people. There's lots of folks like that, right? Um, they will oftentimes use that weakness, the fact that they're not organized. They'll use that weakness as an excuse to um, uh, miss deadlines or to um, be late for meetings. Your weakness is not an excuse to be irresponsible or to be lazy. So how do you, uh, what, what am I getting at here then? So basically what we're saying is that the first step is recognizing if you have a weakness, admit it, right? Just admit, okay, I'm not an organized person. That's not a sin. Just admit that you um, are not an organized person and then have the courage and the strength to ask for help. <laughs> that's, that's probably the hardest thing right there. Most of us don't struggle with, Admitting that we have weaknesses, we struggle with asking for help because we think we shouldn't. We shouldn't have to. I should be better than that. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, I have this friend. He's one of the most talented people uh, I've ever met. And, that's, and I mean that um, sincerely. But he, one of the gifts he does not have is organization. Well, because he is so talented uh, in so many other ways, he's got lots of stuff going on in his life, but he's overwhelmed all the time. Because he, it's like he's got all this stuff, but he doesn't know how to put it in, in place and uh, achieve it and do the best at it that he, that he can. So you know what he did? He admitted that to himself. And then he invited, he, he knew somebody in our church um, that had the gift of organization. And he said, would you mentor me for a little bit? Would you be my, my life coach and help me to, especially what he was really looking for was, um, time management skills and she stepped up alongside of him for a while to help him learn to manage his time better and it changed his life he could never have done that by himself now he could have easily have sat back and said you know what why am i so stupid why couldn't i figure that out why couldn't i figure out how to manage my own time but you know instead what he did he said you know what i have things if there are things that i can share with you that will help you in your life this person that was coaching him, if there are things I can do that will help you, let me be there for you. And of course, he had those things too. And all of that, that little story leads us into our scripture lesson for today. If you were with us last week, you may remember that we talked about Paul's letter to the Corinthian church and what was going on in the Corinthian church. Remember that? There was, this was a hopping church. This church was, man, they were going on. They, the Holy Spirit had fallen on them. They had, they had manifestations of the Holy Spirit going on in that church that were just awesome. But as is the case in any organization where human beings, sinful human beings like you and me, are involved, as even the awesomeness of God was kind of being tainted by the sinfulness of the humans. Because what happened, and this is natural, right? What happened is, while God was performing these miracles through these gifts that he was offering these people in the Corinthian church, they, because they're human, began to compare themselves with other people. They were, I was, going, I was looking at Shane and I was going, man, what, I wish I had Shane's gift. 
And then there were other people like, uh, that would say, um, no, man, my, my gift is so much better than Shane's. And, and all of a sudden they had this bickering going back and forth. And, and it, was, it started to get ugly, right? If you remember the scripture, it was getting ugly. And that's what Paul spoke into. He said, stop what you're doing. Stop right there. You're taking this beautiful thing that God has given you and you're allowing your sin nature to destroy it. Stop. And then he said this. He said, listen, every one of you have been created the people that you are for a purpose. The gifts and the graces, the strengths, and listen to this, the strengths and the weaknesses that make up who you are, you were created that way by God for a purpose. Because ultimately, what God created, uh, why we have both strengths and weaknesses, is because God intends us to work together. That we are better in relationship. By ourselves, we can accomplish certain things, but together, we can accomplish all things, the Bible says, right? So, he uses this analogy. He says, think of yourselves as a body. And this is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17. He says, imagine, imagine if we were all eyes. That would be silly, wouldn't it? If we were all eyes, how would we hear? And if we were all ears, how would we smell, right? Now, when you think about it that way, you realize, well, that's silly. Because a body needs all its different parts. We need our fingers, we need our toes, we need... We need we need it all because our bodies have been knit together by who? By God, right? Put together by God with a purpose. So every part of the body fulfills a function and a purpose to fulfill the ultimate purpose, which is to be in a love affair with Jesus. Simple and authentic, by the way. It really comes down to that. There's lots of things and ways we live that out. But ultimately, it's because we, together, we will live out a love affair with Jesus that changes everything. Now, I've made a mistake for years. I've, I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times. And I've always thought, oh, well, that, that's how the church is supposed to work. We're supposed to have different um, gift and graces and for each person. And when we work together as the church, then, then um, we'll accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish as a church. And that's true. But what I failed to understand was really what Paul was, was describing here wasn't what was going on in the church, but what ought to go on in life. It's not just about the ministries of the church. This is about what ought to be happening in life. Have you ever heard the old saying that opposites attract? Often we, we are attracted to persons who are different from us and we, we end up falling in love with people who are different from us because that person's strengths and my weaknesses make something beautiful. And my strengths and their weaknesses make something beautiful. I always use Lisa and I as an example. If it wasn't for me, my wife is like this... Um, Huge extrovert. And if it wasn't for me, she would be like a moth that flies into the sun every day. And she'd just like burn up. Is that true, Lise? That's pretty true. 
Now, it's hard. Is this probably as hard for you guys to believe? But I'm I'm actually an extreme introvert, and because I'm an extreme introvert in an extroverted career, if if it wasn't for my wife Lisa, you know what I would do after church every Sunday? I'd go home, lock the doors, and say, "Leave me alone." I I just need that. And but she says, "No, we're going to live life together, Craig. We need people." So she brings me out, and I bring her in. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It works beautifully together. So if you've ever thought that your differences with your spouse is your problem, I'm telling you right now, it's God's design that your differences actually make you stronger. And look at society in general. It, this, our society would be a mess if everybody tried to be a doctor, if everybody tried to be a mechanic, or if everybody tried to be an artist. But when we are allowed to grow into our gifts and graces and not think that we have to be great at everything but instead we can vest in that which we were created to do and to be, it can create something beautiful. So, listen to me. If you have allowed other people to make you feel bad because you're not good at this or that, or if you've been, this is probably what's been happening, if you've been make, allowing yourself to feel bad because you're not good at this or that, you need to stop it. That's silly. In fact, I would go so far as to say that's of the devil. You are who you are because God created you that way. And the person that you are has a purpose, especially when we work together. Now, I have been great for a good portion of my life of making myself feel bad for things I don't do well. I look at other people all the time. I think, man, I wish I could do that or I should be able to do that. I remember here a few years ago, I wanted to build a deck on our house, and I could do that, but I knew that I needed to, to, I was wanting to build the deck in this certain particular place on the back of our house, but there was a water spigot um, right in the middle of it, so I thought, I can move this water spigot. It can't be that hard. So I went to the basement, I figured out where the water line and where I wanted to move it to, I went to Menards, bought all the supplies, and I figured I could get this done in one afternoon, and then I could start on my deck. A week later! That thing was still leaking. And I, was, I felt so bad and I felt frustrated. And finally I broke down and asked a friend of mine in the church that was a plumber to come over and help me. 10 or 15 minutes later, fixed. And I felt horrible about myself. Because I thought, why can't I do that? It took him 10 minutes to do what I'd been trying to do for a week. And he could see by the look on my face. I don't know about you, sometimes I wear my emotions on my face. Do you ever do that? And he looked at me and he could tell what I was thinking. And he said, dude, stop it. Yeah, it took me 10 minutes to fix the problem. But I'll guarantee you there's not a soul in our church that would want me to take 10 minutes to preach them a sermon. <laughs> you do what you do well, I'll do what I do well, and we'll get along just fine. In all actuality, that... That little statement that he made to me was the best sermon I've ever heard because it changed me. It really did. I thought, stop beating yourself up. It's okay that you're not a plumber because you're good at other things, Craig. Now, some of you, I know how this works. Some of you are sitting out there today and you're saying, okay, yeah, I, I'm with you all the way, Craig, but the truth of the matter is I haven't found one thing that I'm good at. Listen to me. You were created the person that you are for a reason. And you have gifts and graces. 
That is, a, that is the truth. But in, you have to discover them before you can invest in them. So, if you're here today, this is a whole other sermon, by the way, so I'm not going to get into that day. But if you're here today and you're struggling to discover what your gifts and your graces are, what your strengths are, uh, in just a moment, the band's going to lead us in our final song. And I, every Sunday, I try to stand right over underneath the tree, especially when it's sunny. I stand right over underneath the tree and I make the offer to pray with and to talk with anybody that might need their pastor today. And I want to offer that to you today. If you, if you haven't figured out what your strengths are, what your gifts and your graces are, come and talk to me today. Because I think I can help you with that. I can, I can help you in a journey or in a process of discerning what your strengths are. Not if you have them, because you do. I can help you to discern what they are. And it'll be a journey that we can take together if you want to. Now, that's not the only thing that you need to, uh, that you could come and, talk with me and pray with me about. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, I love praying with people about that. I would love to pray with you to accept Christ into your heart. If there's other things going on, maybe you've got uh, an illness or somebody in your family that you're concerned about, I will stand with you and we will intercede with them um, with Christ. Just know that this is just one opportunity. You can call me anytime. But this is one of those opportunities where if you need someone, I'm glad to be that someone. Because when we do this thing called life together, it changes everything. So, as the band's coming up, um, I want you to be praying and thinking about that. And as you're singing, if you need me, I'll be right over there.